Hello, and welcome to the Blaze Experience. If you're joining us today, we are back for episode 11 of the podcast. Today, we are talking about a new game for the podcast. We are going to be talking about State of Decay 2. State of Decay 2, as of this recording, has not released yet, but it's going to release in a few days. And this is a game podcast we'll be covering fairly frequently. Uh, I wouldn't say probably every week, but we're going to try to cover it hopefully at least once or twice a month, I'd say. So this is going to be more of an intro episode on State of Decay 2. It's basically going to be kind of some of the basics of the franchise itself. Um, Kind of the mechanics a little bit of the franchise. Nothing too in-depth yet. And also some of the new things that are going to be in State of Decay 2. This will be just more of an intro episode to kind of get you used to what the game is. Just in case you're new and you don't know the franchise at all. This will be kind of describing the franchise a little more. And then future episodes that talk about State of Decay 2 will get a little bit more into detail of things. So we'll get into more detail on those episodes and dive deeper into the strategy of the game. But this will be more of an intro, just kind of touching lightly on the surface of the new items, basically. But without further ado, I do have a guest here today. This guest is someone that had a lot of experience with the original game. He played a lot of State of Decay when it came out. And he will be playing State of Decay 2. He's a friend of mine, and I'm happy to introduce our guest today, Vision Zombie. How are you, Vision? Hi, yeah, I'm uh, good. How are you? Pretty good. So you excited for State of Decay 2? Uh, yeah, I've been looking out for it uh, for about uh, three months now. Been uh, following it um, not too much, but uh, yeah, been looking forward to it. Yeah, same here. I mean... I know you played a lot more of the original game than I did, but I'm definitely looking forward to some of the new features in State of Decay 2, and they sound really cool. Yeah, they definitely do. I mean, kind of getting into your background with the franchise a little bit, how much time do you think you sunk into the original game? I think I've played it on and off. Like, um, one day, one week I played nonstop, another I just don't play for a month. But uh, I think a total about 200 hours, give or take. Which is definitely a lot. I mean, for me, I only touched the surface of the original game. I probably play between, I'd say, like, maybe less than 25 hours. So I didn't really play it that often. So I'm definitely looking to get into this new version a lot more than that. So when you played the original, what were your thoughts on that? Um, At first, I thought, hey, let's just do it. It was uh, free on Game Pass, so I just downloaded it, and um, yeah, just started playing. And uh, once I started opening, I really liked combat, like in the um, first section, let's say, when you um, and your buddy come from the fishing. I really liked combat. That that's what kept me playing, and uh, yeah, I just went through it, and um, yeah, I started to really like it, and the whole idea of some survival and death is actually permadeath yeah which i think the permanent death part is actually really cool with this game because a lot of games if you die you just hit the restart button or you just spawn right back in but this game if your character dies your character is gone you don't have that character anymore which i think is a really cool aspect of this game yeah definitely you can't even restart the game like uh come safe or save and load 
Right. I mean, you can obviously keep playing the game, but you just have to use a different character because you don't have that same character anymore. So if yeah. you spent all your time on one character and that one character dies, then you're pretty much starting at square one again. Yeah, I actually have played a game like this or an intro like 15 times at this point. But going forward a little bit with it, what do you think will be this new version of the franchise? Do you think it'll push the franchise forward a little bit more with State of Decay 2? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, with the way more personalized characters, like every character has a backstory, which the first one, in my opinion, kind of lacked, uh, lacked of it. Yeah, I think it's going to be real amazing, especially the map size, which is going to increase. Definitely. Which I think the map size just alone will actually really help the game because you have a lot more you can do with it. Yeah, definitely. In the first one, it wasn't that big, like get a car, other side of the map in like five minutes. So I'm re really looking forward to uh, exploring. Which you did mention cars too, and I think that's something sort of unique to the State of Decay franchise as well, because a lot of other zombie survival games, you can't actually drive cars in those games. Yeah, definitely. Um, It was that you couldn't really customize them. That was too bad, because I really wanted a certain paint shop, which looked absolutely amazing. But yeah, the cars were a good feature. Well, you know, maybe you didn't find the spray can. You got to find the spray paint in there. Seriously? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Oh, good. <laughs> but that would be kind of cool, though, if you could find, like, a can of spray paint and you could just spray paint your car yourself. <laughs> yeah, and then or uh, craft it yourself or a certain workstation at your base. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's an idea they could, you know, look into in the future, you know. Like, maybe you get a can of spray paint in the world and... Once you get it, you take it back to your base and, like, you take the car into the shop or something and you kind of, like, detail it. Yeah, and even maybe, um, like, upgrade the engine, certain parts, maybe tires. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, for zombie Maybe you can windows. somehow outfit, like, a bigger gas tank so you can actually hold more gas in there. Yeah, I mean, the first one, it was kind of... I never really re um, refueled a car. Uh, I know that was a feature, but... Uh, I never did it, because I just drive and that was it. Yeah, I mean, we will get into that a little bit more when we talk about the new features, but that is something that is new. In, in the state of Decay 2, you actually have to refuel your car. In the first game, you didn't have to. So, yeah. so that is going to be something that's a little bit more challenging for the game, but I think it adds a good challenge to the game, because if you think about it, I mean, if you're surviving the zombie apocalypse, like, fuel's just not going to just run on trees. I mean, you have to actually find fuel to run those cars. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it's a good challenge because in the first one, once you uh, got loaded up a bit, it was kind of easy. Right, because I mean, if you're halfway across the map and you forgot to bring an extra can of gas with you, you could be screwed because you have to actually trek back on foot all the way back to your camp. Yeah, and then uh, the staff, stamina decay after a certain while and then uh, zombie hordes come. Right. But... About the franchise overall, what do you like about the franchise that differs from other zombie survival games? Um, that you can switch characters mostly, and my personal favorite is that you can have a different character for very specific goals, like one is for gathering, who can carry extra shit, and um, another one is just great at fighting, another one is great at shooting, that's probably my favorite part. And then Yeah, I think that's um, really nice too. Yeah, once you actually lose character, you lose completely, like, your gathering side, and uh, 
it really puts a dent on you. Right, definitely, because if you have someone like, say, you're a really good fighter, if your really good fighter goes down, then you might not have a backup fighter already made, so you basically have to start from scratch with someone that's not very good at fighting. Yeah, exactly, and um, yeah, that actually cost me a few downfalls before. Like losing your fighter specifically, or? Yeah, what I mean is that I get a bit too attached to the characters, and once I lose one um, or multiple, I just restart the game, no matter how far I got. Yeah, I mean, I never got far enough in the game where I had that kind of feeling where I lost multiple ones, but I can see why that would be kind of frustrating in some ways, but it also does make the game more real where you really have to protect your characters. Yes, exactly. It's uh, quite amazing. Is there anything else you feel is really different about the franchise itself? I think the types of zombies. Um, you have different types of zombies, and uh, yeah, they... It wasn't too creative in the first one, but it was pretty good. Like, um, it actually added a challenge, and uh, not just, hey, here's a zombie, shoot it, and instead, you actually had to figure out how to do how to deal with them. Right, definitely. You can correct me on this, too, but I'm not sure if it was in the first game, but I know in State of the Gate 2, there's this zombie where if you run into it with your car, it actually has a poison gas cloud that explodes. I, yeah, yeah, it... It wasn't exactly the same, but uh, it slowly damaged me over time. Yes, that's really interesting, because basically if that happens to you in the game, then you have to pretty much get out of your car, or else you're going to die with the poison gas. Yes, and in the first one, you just get in the car, and you're invincible. Like, you see a horse, just drive straight through it, and uh, you're fine. And uh, it it added, like, a great depth to to the game, that you don't just get in the car and uh, drive. Right, because that wouldn't actually happen in the real world. I mean, you know, a zombie could get stuck in your tires or who knows what, so. Yeah. And I know in terms of the car aspect, too, I mean, using the cars versus the juggernaut, the juggernaut can actually stand up to a car pretty well. Yeah, it actually broke my car once. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, like, little clips where they actually just, like, move the entire car off. <laughs> like, what the heck? Yeah. I mean, you meet, the, like, all the um, different zombies and, like, the... Um... Well, if you really try the story, then meet them all in the first two hours, and after that it's just, um, oh, same old, same old. So right. I hope they do something with that. I mean, I think the story is going to be more evolved in the second version, so I, I think that will be good. Like, one of the things we can kind of get into right now about the second version is sort of how the game starts, basically, because I know in the first one, you pretty much just start with these two guys, and you don't really have a choice in that. But in State of Decay 2, you actually have a choice of your starting characters. Yes, that um, I'm curious how that's going to play out. Like, um, if you're playing co-op and there's two same characters, I'm wondering if they're going to do anything with that. Um, yeah, we'll get into that in a second, but co-op will be a little bit different for the game. But just going back to the starting characters real quick. Um, there's basically four different pairs you can start with. I don't know if you've checked this out at all. Uh, yeah, I know a few. The um, brother and sister, the, um, the lesbians, the the old buddies, and the, um, the couple like that meet in the zombie apocalypse. Yes. So basically, as you just said, there's four different pairings you can choose. There's the surly siblings, which is a brother and sister, like you said. There's the odd couple. The odd couple is basically a couple that met after the apocalypse started. 
and they kind of grew together with that. There's one called Perpetual Breakup, which is a female-female couple that constantly broke up and got back together, and they're basically together at this time, but it says in the text, you know, they could break up again at any time. And then there's the one that's like called Longtime Friends, where that one, it's kind of interesting dynamic because one of the friends always causes trouble or gets the other into trouble. So I think they really have some nice backstories that will be nice for players to actually choose which one they want to start and which one they want to have the backstory for. Yes, and um, also in the in the first one, it felt kind of bland character, some of them, and uh, I think the dyma- dynamic, like uh, brother and sister, is uh, going to be great, like give them personality and don't just make them feel like AI. Right, definitely. I think, honestly, all four of these pairings will be really interesting to play. I think, personally, I'm probably going to go with the brother and sister just because I want to try that dynamic out. I don't know which one you're going to choose probably when you first start. Um, I'm actually going to try the um, odd couple. Um, I just like the name Rose. Yeah, that, that'll people. definitely be a fun one, I think. I mean, I think their dynamic will be really cool because they met after the apocalypse already started, so... I think in some ways that pairing will actually have a stronger bond because they already knew what they're getting into. They don't have anything else to fall back on before this. So I think their bond could actually be a little stronger than some of the other ones. Yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, I'm just curious how everything's going to play out. Although I will say, even though I'm probably not going to pick this one, I do think the perpetual breakup with the female-female couple, that would probably be really interesting to play because with that one, I mean, there's probably so much tension involved in that relationship that as you're going throughout the story, there's probably going to be a lot of tense moments with those two. Yeah, and I think they definitely will break up in the game, but that's just my guess. Yeah, I would say so as well. I mean, it'd be really interesting, too, if you actually have one of these pairings and you lost one person in the pair, how the other one would react to that. Yeah, like the brother and sister, like, let's say the brother died, the sister would be devastated and... uh... I think it will be an emotional moment. I really hope they do something with that. Yeah, definitely. Which with the brother and sister pair too, which I think is really interesting, is basically looking at their stats. I haven't looked at all the stats like too heavily, but I've noticed that the stats for the sister are a lot better than the brother. So it seems like she's going to be kind of carrying that relationship, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, some characters uh, start off with better skills, but others have higher potential. And I think uh, the brother has a high potential, like um, the skills he can learn. Yeah, definitely. I would agree. I mean, I think he could become a great character in the game over time. But I think the sister starts out as a better character when you first start the game, probably. Yes, that uh, would also be my guess. And then we didn't touch on this one as much yet. But just to touch on the longtime friends a little more, I think that dynamic will be interesting if you want to try that one. Mainly because you have the one friend that's like kind of always fixing the other friend's messes. So I think there's some really interesting dynamics that could actually get into with that. Maybe the friend that always is fixing the messes. Maybe at some point in the story he actually makes a mistake and the other friend has to step up. So that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, and uh, actually some uh, character development. It, it would be fun, yeah. So honestly, I think... Whatever pair you choose out of these four, you know, anyone that's listening and starting the game up, I think you're going to have a fun time playing any of these four pairs. I think all of them have really interesting storylines. Uh, Yeah, I think some of them are going to be way more interesting than others, but yeah, I think they're all pretty great. 
which is good too because that kind of shows that um the developers of this game actually put a lot of thought into the storyline of these characters and it seems like it's a lot more developed than the first game was so it seems like whatever characters you get they're going to have a really cool backstory that you can explore yeah i hope a lot of backstory and uh, that they can find like that you can like uh, find diaries in the world that'd be really cool too actually like a collectible for the really hardcore um, fans and seekers no that'd be really cool actually i mean I know where there's like collectibles that if you pre-order with like a certain um, company, like with Amazon or Microsoft, you get like all these different pre-order um, exclusives with those. But oh. are you gonna like uh, get any? I'm not personally. Um, I'm gonna just be playing the game on Game Pass. It would be nice to pre-order it, but I decided to go the route of just doing the Game Pass. That way, I can play a lot more games that are coming out. So. I'm going to do that instead, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's um, also what I'm doing, at, actually. Pre-order bonuses, though, are really cool if you have the money and you want to do it. I mean, the game is actually fairly cheap for a lot of new games. It's only $30, so that's not that bad compared to some games. But, yeah, personally, if I was picking and I was going to pre-order, I would recommend the Amazon pre-order. Just because I really like the Amazon, it's like a Jeep I think it has for them, and it's a really cool looking Jeep, so that's probably what I would go with. Quite interesting that they um, would do that. Yeah, definitely. I I think there was one that I really didn't like. I think it was like the Walmart pre-order pack that just really didn't spark my interest, but you know, maybe it'll spark somebody else's interest. That's why they had a shopping cart. (laughs) That would actually be really funny. And your friend just pushes you down the hill or something. Yeah, just go uh, down in the lane of zombies like it's uh, your grocery. Pick some milk, pick some eggs. Exactly. <laughs> just pick up some zombie heads on the way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we started getting into some of the new features for State of K2 earlier, so we can kind of go into those a little bit more in depth. You did mention the bigger map size earlier. So just to expand that a little more, basically the map this time, it's going to be three different counties, but all the counties will be the same size or bigger than the original map. So you're going to have a lot more area to explore this time. Yeah, and uh, I hope um, certain areas has like uh, certain uh, zombies, like special zombie types um, exclusively to that area. I kind of feel like they wouldn't do that, but I mean, it's possible they would. I think they'd disperse all the types of zombies throughout every area but you never know i mean we'll see how they end up doing it yeah i'm a little hazy on how it's exactly going to work with this map type basically from what i know so far and this could be a little bit off i think what you're allowed to do is when you're done with one map or like you want to move on you can just pack up your community and move on to the next map and kind of you know start a new base there so i think it's going to be seamless where you can actually, you're in one county, you can drive right into the next county if you wanted to. I think that's how it's going to work, but I could be wrong on that. And you could have to actually, you know, back out of the game and like start in a new community. But I think it's going to be where you can actually drive throughout all three of them at the same time. I don't think you have to start over. I mean, that would um, really raise some eyebrows by uh, fans. I think that right, yeah. um, you can I don't think do you it, have to but, either. Um, you'd have, like, in the first game, you have influence, and that's basically what you can do with the community, how much influence you have. And I think change to a new county is going to take, like, um, 
let's say a thousand influence and uh, it'd be really hard to get and once you get it it's uh, pretty rewarding that's true that's probably how they do that which i kind of feel like you'd be able to explore the next county before you change over if you wanted to like say you know you're really running low on supplies in your county maybe you have to explore the other county to get more supplies so you have to go on a really long run and then it becomes even more important to like actually bring gas with you and stuff. It's probably going to be a loading screen. I mean, most games are loading screens, loading screens these days. But uh, yeah, I think the loading screen is going to take like half gas, which uh, would be fair. Yeah, no, I think it could be that. So we'll see how they end up doing it for sure. I mean, I've tried to figure out the deep specifics on it, but it doesn't seem like from what I've seen so far that they've announced exactly how that's going to work but i think it's going to be fairly seamless so that's nice so yeah one of the other features that you mentioned a little bit earlier that everyone's really excited about for this game is co-op in the first version of state of decay there was no co-op at all and a lot of players wanted that now in state of decay 2 you can play with up to four players in the same game with you which is awesome and i'm really excited for that and i'm sure as someone that played state of decay 1 you're probably excited for it too uh, yes, definitely. I um, actually thought the game one was um, co-op when I first started, so uh, I actually barked my friends a lot, like, uh, oh, play with me, play with me, and they said, like, no, it it's not multiplayer, and I was pretty disappointed. Right. So yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, playing with uh, people. I mean, a couple interesting things with the co-op, how it's going to work. Basically, say I jump into your game, right? How it's going to work is... I have to choose a survivor from my community to play in your game. But the interesting thing to, for players to note and be wary of, if I take my best person into your game and they die in your game, they're dead in my game too. So that's important to note. Some people are so gonna have fun with that. I mean, like trying to kill the other person's players? Oh or? yeah, definitely. I already know I'm gonna do it. Well, then I guess I won't be playing in your game, will I? <laughs> no, I won't do it to you. <laughs> I hope not. But I mean, on that note, like I probably wouldn't use your very best people in somebody else's game. Maybe use like one of your mid-tier characters that, you know, you leveled up a little bit, but, you know, they're a decent enough character that you can help your friends. I probably wouldn't use your top ones, though, just because it's kind of risky. But I mean, if you want to, then I guess go for it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm probably going to use like my top character and just uh, back out when it gets too risky. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work with the backing out, but maybe you can do that. Maybe you have to like be away from a certain area. I don't know. but I do know, though, that when you join someone else's game, you can't stray too far from the host, which is kind of annoying. So maybe they'll fix that at some point. But say like you drove over somewhere and I was running on foot, I can't be too far away from you. So you can't really go off on like different directions. You have to stay sort of close to the host. I really hope they fix that, but if they don't, I hope they increase the size of which you can uh, be out, out uh, together. Like in some games, it's like you have to uh, hold your hold the uh, hands and uh, then you won't get kicked, but uh, I hope right. they won't do that. Yeah, because if they eliminated it all the way, then basically you'd have more variety where like you could go off on a mission on one area of the map, I could go off on another mission on another area of the map, and we could meet up later. That'd be kind of cool, but you can't actually do that because you can't stray far enough from the host. Yeah, and scavenging would be so much faster. Oh, definitely. 
which I'm glad you brought that up, though, because that's one of the things. All resources go to the host player. So if you found, you know, some medical supplies or whatever you found, it's going to go directly to the host player. So that's one thing to note. What about guns? I didn't read about guns. I'm not sure on that one. So who knows with guns, but it, it might go to the host player as well. I I'm really not hope sure not, that because that gives, like, no, it's totally not rewarding to the player who joins. Then there'd be fights all over from, no, you're going to join me. No, you're going to join me. And uh, <laughs> that'd be annoying. Well, from what I could gather so far, it sounds like the incentive for someone to join your game, like, say I was joining your game, it sounds like my incentive to do so is that I can earn rewards and XP faster for my characters that way. That's what it sounds like. Oh, yeah, that's actually rewarding then. Yeah, so basically it sounds like you can actually level your characters faster by helping your friends in their game. You won't get any of the resources, and you know you won't actually get any progress in your game, but it sounds like you can actually level your characters a little faster that way. That's, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. But one of the last notes I had on co-op, how it's going to work, there's a couple different settings you can use. For example, you can set your setting to default, where if you're playing in a game, say you see that I'm online, you can automatically jump into my game if you're on my friends list. So you can just jump in, you know, help me out and then jump back out or something. Or you can set it to private, where if you set it to private, then no one can join unless you specifically invite them. But I think that default setting is really cool because you could just be out on a mission and then all of a sudden, oh, my friend joined. Cool. So that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, it'd be like a nice surprise one. Oh, wow. Right, exactly. I think you'd probably have to be careful, though, if you set it to default, you know, who you have as your friends. Because if you have, like, a friend that's, you know, known for griefing a lot, then you might not want them to join your game. So I feel oddly targeted right now. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be you. Who knows? I mean, I know you target some of our other friends. but He deserves it. Not the name names, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really interesting that they did co-op that way where you can actually choose how you want to play it. And if you set it to private, you could just wait for your friends to come on and invite them when you want to. You know, maybe like you don't really want to talk to anyone at the moment, so you just set it to private. That way no one can join you. But it's nice that they actually give you that option. Yeah, uh, definitely. Some people just prefer their uh, privacy and uh, is glad they uh, offer it. And I mean, honestly, like, just attacking a horde of zombies with four people, that's going to be so much fun. Just, you know, taking them all out together. Yeah, the comet, like, I hope there's not too much lag, though. I kind of feel like there wouldn't be. I mean, you know, co-op is one of the biggest features that are, like, touted for this game. So I would hope they'd have it all, all the kinks worked out for it. Yeah, let's hope so. Not um, another game with server issues, I hope. But... One of the other cool features that's going to be in this game, there was obviously bases in the first game, but there's going to be a lot more options for them this time. There's going to be a lot more in-depth things you can do at your base and different like areas you can build. Um, I didn't write down all of them because there's a lot, but just to name off a few of the different ones you can build, you can build a kitchen, a workshop, you can build an infirmary, a garden, a still a trade depot, a sniper tower, a shooting range, just things like that. 
do any of these sound like ones that weren't in the first game? Because I didn't get that far in the first game, so I don't know which ones were in the first game, which ones weren't. Um, only the still wasn't in the first game. The rest, all of them are just in the first game. Okay, so the still is the only new I mean, one maybe that you've not seen. The shooting range. I know they all sound really interesting though, and some of these are seemingly leader based, which is something that's very new and interesting to this game. Basically, if you get character to a hero status, you can assign one leader status and they can be leader of your community and basically if you assign them as leader they're supposed to be like some um i guess leader specific missions you can go on that are like little side missions but also in addition to that each leader has their own set of like bonuses and it sounds like four of these i guess mods you call them basically are set to different leaders like you can build a trade depot if you have a certain type of leader. You can build a sniper tire if you have a certain kind of leader. So that's actually kind of cool. So you can choose what you want to build and choose a leader on that as well. Yeah, definitely. There's going to be a lot of tactic in this game, which the first one can lack. I think it's a really interesting dynamic with that leader aspect too, because say, you know, God forbid your leader actually died, then you have to choose a whole new leader. And say you had a leader that was, you know, based on being a warlord and they just wanted to kill everything in sight. Maybe you don't really have another good warlord leader. So maybe you have to choose a leader that's more, I guess, trade based. And maybe you have a trade leader next and your whole outlook has to switch now. So your whole outlook of playing the game has to switch to match that leader style. Yeah, there's a link on a switching top and take away, take away the blandness that was in the first game after a couple of hours. Yeah, definitely, which I think, like you kind of said, this is going to add a lot of replayability to the game. I mean, I think the RPG aspects of this game are definitely a lot more advanced than the first game, so that's going to add a lot of replayability. Yes, definitely. Um, I hope I only won't have to do the opening like 15 times again. Well, it's funny you actually say that, because I don't know if you knew this, but the starting characters we talked about, basically, if you restart the game or like you actually restarted your scenario then what happens is instead of choosing those starting characters you actually have the option to choose a randomly generated set of three characters so if you really didn't like some of these starting characters you could actually just go back in and i'm not sure how the process works exactly but if you just restart it again then you could have a randomly generated set of three characters instead. I hope they don't make it too overpowered. Like, uh, if you just randomly generate till you have the most overpowered uh, three of all. I kind of feel like they wouldn't be that overpowered. I mean, I think it's pretty balanced where they're still starting characters, so you still have to you know, start out and level them a little bit. But, I mean, if there's three of them at the start, I would kind of think they're a little bit underpowered probably because the starting characters that you first start with there's two of them so i think they'd be even less power than those two you know two that you start with normally yeah i hope they uh, make it a little more underpowered right which we didn't really mention it too much but i mean this wasn't the first game too but one of the things i really think is cool about the franchise overall is kind of you can just meet new characters in the world and that new character can be like the linchpin you really needed in your game. Like say you, you really didn't have a farmer and you met a character that was really great at farming. That's going to be like, Oh yes, I finally have this character. That's great at farming. Yeah. I, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, I have been several hours looking for a, for a specific character and, uh, 
and I have heard too that basically, I don't know if it was this way as much in the first game, but I know in State of Decay 2, you want to kind of pick your enemies wisely because if you go to war with another group, then it could really affect you long term. Like um, bring down morality and shit. Right. And obviously, if that group is a little bit more powerful than you are at the moment, then, you know, you could lose a bunch of survivors that way, too. Yeah, it's like um, the Tandis sword or gun in this uh, scenario. Right. Do you have, like, a certain kind of play style you think you're going to try and shoot for when you first start? Or do you think you're just going to kind of vary it? I... Depends on what they do with the stealth. I really am a self-type guy, but... Um... In the first one, it's kind of lacking. So if they fix it in the in this game, then I will definitely do a stealth build. And if that isn't, I will probably do a supply build, like with endless of supplies. Well, not endless, but uh, a lot of. Yeah, I think kind of where I'm gonna focus probably. I mean, it obviously depends on what characters I get, you know, like what leader abilities I have and things like that. But I think the playstyle I'd like to focus on is more of a trader where I have like a leader that's trade based and I can actually have a bunch of communities that I trade with and I have access to all the supplies I need at all times. Yeah, I meant something simple, similar to that. Right. Yeah, because I know when you build the trade depot we mentioned, I believe there's like a way you can actually call up um other communities to come right to you which is kind of cool yeah um definitely looking forward to it and uh, it'd be fun if they can actually betray you like you can't just betray them but they actually betray you too well if they betray me then it's not gonna end well for them but we'll see how it goes <laughs> yeah hopefully they don't betray me because that would suck but <laughs> but one of the other features that's really cool and new about state of decay 2 is there's this new feature called the Blood Plague. Do you know a lot about this yet? I have heard of it, but I don't really know the details. Yeah, so basically the Blood Plague, it's a virus, but it also allows for a new type of zombies as well. So these new zombies, they're basically infected with the Blood Plague virus, and they have red eyes, you know, glowing, they're all red and everything. And basically this virus... If too many of these zombies hit you, then you contract the blood plague disease. And essentially, if you contract that disease, eventually your survivor is going to become a zombie and you're going to have to kill them or cure them. So the only way to cure them is to get samples of the blood plague and to have... I forget exactly what building you need, but it's some kind of like medical building, I think, within the infirmary. But basically, if you have you have to have that all set up, and you have to have samples of the blood plague in order to cure somebody. So, say your best survivor was named Jim or something, and Jim contracted the blood plague, he's definitely going to die unless you can cure him, which is kind of really cool, actually. Yeah. But another thing with the blood plague too is there's plague hearts, and these plague hearts are basically it's described as like kind of mounds of flesh. And these hearts are what sort of give life to these plague zombies. So basically you have to go around destroying these plague hearts. If you wipe out the plague heart, then all the plague zombies associated with that heart that are kind of in the area, they'll all die as well. I've actually but... seen um, some gameplay of that. It seems a certain weapon, I think, was the grenade launcher or anything. 
or something is really powerful against it but uh, yeah I'm curious to see if there's gonna be like the different playstyles to uh, get to it yeah I mean it definitely seems like it's a lot more intense because with the play cart if you start attacking it at all then a horde of zombies is gonna come right to you because it kind of makes sense in a way because if you look at it as this is the heart of those zombies if you're attacking that heart all those zombies are gonna come to protect that so it makes sense yeah, and then maybe have a buddy, like, uh, distract him or anything. And, uh, yeah, it, it'd be fun. Like, the the challenge and uh, the sense of, I have to get this to revive him or cure him. Right, because that's the only way you can get plague samples, is by the plague. Actually, I say the only way, it's not the only way. I mean, the main way you can get the samples is from the plague heart, but I think I did hear somewhere that you can find them on... Uh, the zombies themselves or in the world, but I think that's more rare. I, the plague heart, if you destroy, you'll always get samples. Finding the plague samples other ways is not always guaranteed. I really hope you just have to, um, I don't know, that your character also gets infected and, um, well, that's not what I hope, but uh, that your character also gets infected and you have to choose who gets who gets a cure. Oh, I mean if you have, like, two infected at once? Yeah, like, um, one got uh, infected another one gets to get it and the one who tried to get it got infected yeah that would be really interesting actually and that'd be kind of a hard choice because you're going to grow attached to these characters and then basically you're almost doing one of them to death by not choosing them yeah and then uh let's say uh the brother and sister have to choose who survives and who lives and that's going to be pretty emotional definitely and i actually saw a video too that Basically, what happens is like if you can't hear someone in time, you have a couple options to do with them. You can either, you know, exile them and just send them out of your community, or another option is you can actually execute them. And basically, you're just kind of putting them down because they're going to turn into a zombie. Which I saw this and it looks really brutal because you pretty much just bring them out. And the video I saw was like right next to the garden. You just shot him in the head right next to the garden. So. You could actually exile in the first game, but you couldn't execute, so I'm uh, curious how gory it's going to be, like how much blood. It, it seemed fairly bloody, I mean, and being right next to the garden, it's like, wow, you, you just executed this person right next to your garden? like. <laughs> yeah, you have uh, zombie vegetables now. What's the plans again? Plants versus zombies? <laughs> yeah. But I think it's interesting, too, because I don't know if this is in the first game as much, but... It's said that like when somebody dies, it's going to affect the rest of the community. I don't know if that applied in the first game as much, but uh, yeah, if you have did. to like... it like, did. Okay. Everyone gets sad and uh, you have to talk to people to calm down and uh, go out there, kill some zombies and then bring them back and then they just get sad again. That sounds like it sucks then, but... <laughs> yeah, it really did suck. Like I exiled half my community just because of that reason. Yeah, and especially if you have to literally execute one of your own people, like that's probably really going to make morale low. So. Yeah, I think there's also going to be like dictatorship uh, builds. Like whenever everyone, anyone just uh, speaks a bad word about you, you just execute them. Oh, that'd be interesting. I mean, you definitely become hated pretty fast. But, I mean, if you can rule with an iron fist, then maybe you can make it work. Yeah, definitely. And... uh It'd be pretty warning, too, since they have to all give all their uh, stuff to you. Very true. 
but that's kind of what the blood plague is a little bit. I think it adds a very interesting dynamic to the game now where it adds a new way to lose your survivors than what you had before. And it also adds more difficulty as well, because fighting these plague hard zombies is not something that is as easy as you think it's going to be solo. I mean, I saw some videos of people trying it out and they didn't fare that well solo. So you obviously can do it solo if you're good enough, but it's not going to be like a walk in the park. But probably the last new area I want to talk about is nighttime, which will be very different in State of Decay 2. Obviously, there was nighttime in the first game, but nighttime in State of Decay 2 is very much changed, where nighttime now doesn't just mean, you know, oh, it's a purple sky or something like that, where you see in a lot of games, you know, they just mimic night with purple sky. That way you can actually see what you're doing. Nighttime in State of Decay 2 is pretty much pitch black and you almost can't really see very far in front of you so it's going to make things at night very hard to do and especially if you're attacking like a play car or something it's going to be very hard to do at night yeah and you have to like um sacrifice an inventory slot for a flashlight or anything and you still don't even have your full vision back right and even like the headlights on a car you still can't see that far in front of you i saw some videos of people driving the car at nighttime and even with the headlights, it's still pretty damn hard to see. Yeah, you'd have to have, like, uh, super fast reflexes to dodge uh, stuff. Right, definitely. So, I mean, I think it's definitely going to change things a lot, Where, which is cool, because in the real world, you know, if this was actually happening, a lot of people wouldn't want to venture out at night as much because it's a lot more dangerous. So it actually gives you that feel in the game as well, where... It's really dangerous to go out at night, so you might not go out at night unless you really have to. Yeah, and the previous game was like, oh, it's dangerous outside, don't go outside. And I was like, mind your business. And then I just <laughs> right. come back and uh, it'd be like, wow, that was easy. So I'm happy they um, do it more realistic now. Yeah, definitely. Same here. I mean, I think it's going to really add a new element to the game because you might just decide to go back to your community early because it's almost going to be nighttime. So you might see, oh, shoot, it's getting dark. I better get back because you're way too far out. You don't want to be caught. I would say probably you don't want to be caught like really far away from your base at night. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, getting all the way back to your base at nighttime, that's going to be a lot more challenging. And say you didn't have enough feel and you misjudged things. If you run out of fuel at night and you have to trek back on foot, that's going to suck. It might actually turn into a horror game, like you have no flashlight, it's pitch black, and then just red eyes jump you. It'd be kind yeah, of fun, exactly. And that character could die, and you know, you just have to find their body in the morning. So, <laughs> But I would say, I mean, personally, I'll obviously try it out first, but I would say personally... Unless I really have to, like, say one of my survivors is infected and I really need some, you know, cure for them, I'm probably not going to venture out at night, like, when I first start the game. And then maybe as I get more confident with it, I'll try it out a little more. I'll get so bored, like, um, when you have to wait outside till morning, I'm just going to get bored and, like, uh, well, guess I'm going out. And just uh, seek excitement. I just can't wait that long. But see, you might lose, like, your entire crew, you know, in the early state of the game, and, you know, I'll just be surviving inside. <laughs> I know. It's a risk-reward thing I'm willing to make. Yeah, that's very true. 
I mean, then again, you also put like 200 hours into the first game, you know. I only put like 20, so I'm well, going to want to get a little bit better at the game. I never thought that was good. I'm pretty horrible, actually. Well, you have a lot of experience with the game, at least. So, yeah, that's something. Yeah, I guess that's one. But yeah, I mean, this was more of a, just an intro into the game. That's like basically the main things about the franchise itself and a lot of the main new features that are going to be in the game. Did you have anything else to add that's new to the game or about the franchise itself? Not that I can think of, no. Yes, that's pretty much what we have for this episode then. Like I said at the start, future episodes about State of Decay 2 will go a lot more in-depth into certain areas. Like, for example, we might have an episode just based on one county and talk a lot about that county. Or we could have an episode based on just base building itself and talk about that a lot. But future episodes will be a lot more in-depth. Just that since this is the first episode, we wanted to get into a lot of the basics and just touch on them lightly. But I definitely appreciate you coming on, Vision. If yeah, people no want problem. to, yeah, thanks. I mean, if people want to find you or get in contact with you, how would they be able to do so? Um, Vision Zombie on Xbox. Just uh, how you spell normally Vision, like sunscreen and uh, space zombie. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, not too bad then. So. <laughs> As for me, if you want to contact me, you can contact me via email, which will be theblazeexperience at gmail.com, or you can contact me on Twitter. The podcast Twitter is Blaze Experience, and always remember with experience, it's XP with no E at the front. And also, if you want to find me on Xbox as well, you can for sure do so. My Xbox gamer tag is Shadow of the Statue, so just find me on there as well. That's S-D-H-W, and then Statue. But those are the main ways to get a hold of me or get a hold of the podcast. If you want to actually listen to the podcast, then the best way to do so is via Radio Public. Radio Public is a free app that is available on iOS and Android. It's free in all countries. And basically, this app helps support podcasters and help make like hosting fees and things like that easier for them. So definitely listen via that if you are able to. It's free to download and everything, so that would be very helpful to the podcast. But if you don't listen on there, the next best way is probably to listen to us via Apple Podcasts and leave us a review on there. Any reviews are helpful. And any feedback is definitely helpful, so we'd really appreciate that. And furthermore, we are available on plenty of other platforms as well, so if you want to listen to those, go right ahead, and we will definitely appreciate you listening. We're on Google Play, for example. We're on many other areas as well. But we definitely appreciate you listening to the podcast. And Vision, once again, I appreciate you coming to talk with us tonight. Yeah, definitely no problem. I enjoyed myself. But thank you to you, the listener, for listening. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Blaze Experience.